tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. It's September 6th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got four briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, Joe Biden's student debt forgiveness program is coming under fire this morning, all because students did not actually need that forgiveness. After all, I've got the data to explain, plus why we should care. Second, about a quarter of America's clothes are made by Chinese slaves. I've got the details on that shocking discovery in a bit. Third, an update on our battle for the Pacific. The island nation of Vanuatu is slipping further from America and closer towards China. I'll explain. Fourth, Ukraine has passed a new anti-corruption bill, and that sounds good since we are sending them $60 billion and counting, but the devil is in the details on this one, and I don't think you're going to like what the devil has to say. Later, we close out the podcast with a listener question. This one is about whether Donald Trump stands a chance in his race against Joe Biden. I've got some polling data to help us guide that conversation. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. Student debt forgiveness programs that have been promoted by Joe Biden and his party are not actually necessary. People can pay that debt off all by themselves. That is the key takeaway from a report out from Bloomberg News, which showed a surge in payments by these student borrowers over the past couple of months. And that, of course, undercuts the argument made over the past several years that this debt has to be forgiven. So let's unpack this latest data from Bloomberg with, well, a little bit of recent news first. So back in March of 2020, then-President Donald Trump authorized student loan borrowers to hold off on making payments, and that included waiving interest, and it was all done in response to the emerging pandemic. Well, once Joe Biden got into office, he extended that deal again and again and again. And then he announced in August of last year that he would forgive much of that debt, transferring about $400 billion of student debt to the debt load of the federal government. And he decided to do that via executive order. In other words, he elbowed out Congress from what has historically been their historical role of controlling the nation's purse strings. Well, a number of states sued Mr. Biden to stop that program, claiming that it was unconstitutional. And this past summer, the U.S. Supreme Court weighed in and they agreed. They blocked Mr. Biden's attempts last June. And that, of course, was very distressing to Mr. Biden and his party because he put the need for debt forgiveness in some pretty apocalyptic terms. Quote, an entire generation is now saddled with unsustainable debt. The burden is so heavy that even if you graduate from college, you may not have access to the middle class life that the college degree once provided. End quote. But here's the thing. The data never supported Mr. Biden's claims. In fact, the Federal Reserve in Philadelphia published a survey of borrowers back in May of 2022. Well, 75% of these folks said 
that they did not need student loan forgiveness. They said they could actually continue with their payments, but 86% of them said that they would sure like student loan forgiveness. And well, who could blame them? Who wouldn't like some debt forgiveness? But nevertheless, that data and those facts got buried in the political fight over this issue and in fact, remained buried until yesterday. That is when Bloomberg News published this recent data from both the U.S. Departments of Education and Treasury that showed, in fact, borrowers had the cash to start paying back their debt, either in part or in whole. And they started paying off that debt in big numbers starting over the summer when the Supreme Court started to hand down their ruling that rebuked Biden and his forgiveness plan. And I'll tell you, digging into the numbers, very interesting you see a major spike in loan payments over just the past couple weeks, which is a bit curious until you realize this. Interest started accruing on student debt starting last Friday. So obviously these folks are rushing to pay down or off their debt before interest started accumulating. Plus, their payments are now set to resume at some point in October, and they are clearly trying to get ahead of those bills, at least based on this data. Now, nevertheless, this debt forgiveness or transfer saga and the fight, it is not over. As I briefed you back on July 17th, the Biden White House is still trying to push through another debt relief uh, program, uh, one that is a little bit different than the last one that was struck down by the courts. But either way, the old one or the new one, it's all expensive. This new one is about around $39 billion in terms of total cost. And that is actually leading a number of groups to sue Joe Biden once again to stop it. We'll see if uh, those lawsuits are successful over the next month or so. So that is the latest on this ongoing student loan saga with the facts and data coming to us this morning from Bloomberg News and the federal government. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion on all this. So let's start with this. America's deficit, ladies and gentlemen, is expected to double this year. Double from about $1 trillion last year to about $2 trillion this year. And that is leaving media outlets like the Washington Post to say that, well, that just doesn't make any sense. It is utterly unexpected, they said, that our deficit would be exploding to the degree that it is. And they say, gosh, we have strong employment numbers, corporate profits are hanging in there, and tax collections remain relatively solid. So these folks just cannot figure out why the deficit is exploding. In fact, let me give you a quote from a very smart fellow, Jason Furman. He served as a top uh, economist in the Obama White House and is now an economics professor at Harvard University. Quote, it's truly stunning. There has never been anything like it, end quote. But, but here's the deal. It's actually not stunning at all. It's pretty predictable. In fact, as the Washington Post later explained in their article, spending is up 16% relative uh, to last year, and revenue is down 7%. Plus, you then calculate in interest rates for all that big debt. Well, that interest rates and those uh, series of rates over the past year or so have gone way up, meaning, of course, that our interest rates uh, or interest payments, rather, on all of our debt, that is all way up too. So yes, our deficit would explode given that scenario, obviously. And I would tell you that these deficits are not expected to go down anytime soon, they are, in fact, going to pile on to our forecasted $52 trillion of national debt by the year 2032. And that, of course, is very bad, ladies and gentlemen. I've spoken with you about that over the summer. And that is why I'm bringing this to you once more. 
because Biden and others in Washington, D.C., it appears are not really interested in reigning in spending. In fact, as you are going to see over the next couple of weeks, they want to add even more of this spending to the calculus, including more student loan forgiveness. In fact, you are going to see this debate flare back up because the U.S. government is only funded through September 30th. And Congress has to agree to another extension for more funding or another budget cut by that time. So I'm going to bring you more on that drama, and I promise you it is going to be drama between now and September 30th. But for now, we should remember this key takeaway based on this data from Bloomberg News. America's budget, it is exploding. The deficit is exploding, and we are spending then way too much, obviously. And yet some folks want to spend even more including on students and their debt. But my goodness, we got to tighten our belts. Or in the case of students, we just got to pay our bills instead of, you know, hoisting them on Uncle Sam and other taxpayers. And that is not an opinion, actually. That is based on data coming to us this morning from, well, Uncle Sam himself. With that, let's move on to our second report of the morning. About a quarter of America's clothes are made with slave labor. That is the shocking finding of some spot tests that were conducted by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection folks a couple of months ago. It was reported late last week by Reuters News Service and the media outlet Quartz. So let's talk about what we know, and let's actually start with this. U.S. consumers are not supposed to be faced with this horrific reality that they have purchased products from slave labor in China. And that is because there is a law that is supposed to ban these products, specifically those that come from the Xinjiang region of China. That law, ladies and gentlemen, is called the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. And Joe Biden signed that back in December of 2021. And that became a law because of a widespread belief and, in fact, confirmation that, in fact, China is operating concentration camps in the Xinjiang region of China, enslaving the Uyghur people and forcing them to make all kinds of products from clothes to, yeah, solar panels. We talked about that and the Uyghur people as part of our Dirty Green series back on August 14th. And my goodness, if you missed that, you should definitely go back and listen to it. But the upshot is this. Biden has waved off the tariffs related to this law and this, uh, this concern about the Uyghurs because he is so worried about climate change. So he is letting in all these solar panels that are made by these concentration camp victims to, well, make the climate better. But all that aside, the law is still in effect, at least when it comes to clothes that are made in Xinjiang or with cotton that is picked by Uyghurs outside of those concentration camps. And yet we have discovered now, ladies and gentlemen, that actually all that dirty Chinese cotton and fabric and clothing, it is still getting into the United States. These latest spot checks by the U.S. Customs officials show that 27% of just one month's products were from that banned region. By the way, very interesting. They determined this by using a pretty advanced testing technique that is normally used in murder trials and forensic investigations. But even with this very fancy testing, this stuff is still getting in. And that is true, by the way, even if your clothes are not made in China. That's because factories in places like Mexico, Vietnam, and India are still buying their cotton and fabric from China. So that is the latest from our customs and border protection officials and data that is published by Reuters and other news services. Let me now pivot to my analysis and opinion on all this. 
And I'd like to step back just a little bit, back in time. Back in the 1960s, America made about 95% of our own clothes, either through American factories or on sewing machines at our own houses. And when consumers did go out and buy clothes, they didn't buy much of the stuff. Data shows about 25 articles of clothing per year. And that is because those clothes were relatively expensive, cost us about 10% of our annual income. So if I could say that differently, back in the day, we did not buy a lot of clothes, but when we did, it was high quality stuff made in America. But that changed. Textile companies in America started shutting down in the 1960s and 70s and shipped themselves abroad for cheap labor in places like Bangladesh, China, and Mexico. And it'd just be very clear, folks, that cheap labor included mostly poor women and just little kids. And the kids were especially helpful because they had very small hands that could better access the very tight parts and pieces of these big industrial sewing machines. And while that is obviously bad for lots of reasons, these textile companies certainly drove down their labor costs, and that made clothes much cheaper. And in fact, that is why we buy at least double the number of article of clothes now than in the 1960s. And it is why we import about 95 to 97% of our clothes. But this morning, I think we should ask, at what cost? Because as we learned this morning, we are wearing stuff that is made by slaves living in concentration camps. And if you ask me, that's just not okay. Personally, I would much rather spend more money on fewer clothes, which we would know would be, well, coming from our own cotton, employing our own people, and producing high-quality products right here in America. And I'll tell you, if we can do that through tax incentives for these textile firms, bring them on home, or we can use more automation, or maybe we just have to do more with less, buy fewer clothes, well, then ultimately, we can all sleep a little bit better at night, I think, sleeping on sheets or in pajamas that, in fact, we know are made here at home, not by hidden hands of Chinese slaves or kids locked up in a concentration camp thousands of miles away. So if you agree with that, what I would encourage you to do is something pretty simple. Just check the tags the next time you buy a shirt or a pair of pants or socks. Right? Look for stuff that is made in America. Because after this brief, I think you would agree, it is high time that we do. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreport.substack.com, no ads for you. Instead, your podcast gets delivered to you each day in your email, along with transcripts with hyperlinks to all the facts and data that I've presented so far today. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, thank you and enjoy the following messages, remembering that if you don't hear my voice telling you about a product or a service, then I do not endorse it. We'll be right back. Folks, if there were ever a product that you should consider, man, this is it. Jace Medical. They provide an emergency supply of prescriptions and antibiotics. And here's why you should consider them. As listeners know, I have spoken about how China and India control most of our prescription drugs, including antibiotics. Well, what happens if a war should break out over, say, Taiwan or maybe a pandemic again? Well, we all know what happens. Our supplies of critical products get interrupted, and that is not acceptable if your life depends on it. So that is why I am proud to tell you about JaceMedical.com. 
And here's how it works. You fill out a simple form at jasemedical.com. Then you speak with a board-certified physician. And within days, your order arrives at your home for emergency use. And I'll tell you, this is not for casual use, folks. Talk to your normal doctors for sniffles and such. This is for emergency use with potency lasting for years should the worst ever come. So, friends, go to jacemedical.com, enter promo code RIGHT, that is W-R-I-G-H-T, and you will get a discounted order. Again, that is promo code RIGHT at jasemedical.com. Well, I've got something different to tell you about today, folks. It's a product, but it is endorsed by not only me, but by you, a listener. Craig in Campbelltown, Pennsylvania, wrote me about Wacker Coffee Company, Funny name, great coffee. So here's what Craig had to say about Wacker Coffee. Brian, I had my first cup just a moment ago and I'm working on my second. This is, hands down, the best coffee I have ever had. You have made an old guy in Campbelltown very happy. This is a superior product and I know now where I will be buying my coffee from from this point forward. Craig, yes sir, I told y'all. This company is run by a former United States Marine Wonderful family man, and I'll tell you, he is a guy with a serious passion for roasting coffee. In fact, his company's motto is, we empower coffee beans to be the very best versions of themselves. Now that is a Marine who is serious about his coffee. So folks, go to wackercoffeeco.com, that's W-A-C-K-E-R, and enter the promo code right report for 10% off. Ah, Again, folks, go to WackerCoffeeCo.com today and buy this stuff because your taste buds will be so, so happy. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards international news. First, we've got an update on, on the battle for the Pacific, which is our ongoing series in the fight for supremacy and influence between China and the United States in the Pacific Ocean. So we are heading back to the island country of Vanuatu this morning, a country that we discussed back on August 28th. But to refresh our memories, I briefed you on how the Chinese were likely behind a push to remove the sitting prime minister at the time who liked the U.S. and Australia. Well, I am sorry to say that I've got some bad news for you. Vanuatu parliamentarians have replaced that Western-friendly prime minister with one that backs China. So the guy that we like, his, Mr., uh, his name is Mr. Kyle Sakow. He was shoved aside for another fellow, Mr. Kilman, who after being selected, he promptly said that Vanuatu should grow closer to Beijing. He also announced that he would revisit a security pact that his predecessor had recently signed with Australia. I should note that the new prime minister, Mr. Kilman, and his party weren't exactly shy or clandestine about their pro-China stances. They made it very clear that if they, in fact, went with uh, the Australians or the Americans, well, that would jeopardize the money and support that they have been given and offered by China to date. And in fact, as listeners will recall, that support, it's a lot of money, mostly in the form of debt, over $100 million for that tiny island nation, and that is a lot. Plus, China's been providing them some other support, which we'll, we'll talk about here in a second. So let's do that. Let's pivot now away from facts and data to my analysis and opinion. So bottom line is that we can put Vanuatu back on China's side of the scoreboard. They now have Vanuatu 
and that running list of countries that are trying to decide whether to support us or Beijing. And what I'm going to tell you is that based on my experience, this pro-China guy, the new prime minister, this fellow was chosen because Beijing has most of these guys wrapped around their fingers, on their private payrolls, in fact. And they, in fact, have probably installed listening devices in the parliament building in Vanuatu. And I say that because China has actually built that building. Yeah, they built the Vanuatu parliament building. So, yes, we can fairly assume that China wired that place from top to bottom with listening devices to keep tabs on the leaders there. So as ever, this is a bad development should a war ever break out between the United States and China. Because much like in World War II, these little island countries, they will ultimately be used as, well, little gas stations and lily pads for naval vessels and fighter jets as the countries battle for supremacy and control of the Pacific. So overall, bad deal in Vanuatu, but not to worry. I'll keep my eyes open on this. More to come. With that, let's discuss our last report of the morning, folks. And this one takes us to Ukraine. And it involves where your money is exactly going in that country. And to be clear, it is a lot of money. Over $60 billion in deficit spending has been sent to Kiev so far with another $50 billion that has been authorized. So with that... As a reminder for why we should care about Ukraine, let's talk about some news. Ukraine's parliament yesterday passed a bill that supporters said would tackle the endemic corruption in that country. And here's the upshot of this bill. Ukrainian officials now have to disclose their financial assets to the Ukrainian government. All right, well, that sounds good. But as transparency groups and local press are reporting and pointing out, these disclosures of financial assets they do not have to be made public. They are sealed for at least one year. And that is leading Ukrainian anti-corruption organizations and local press to blast this bill, saying that Kiev's politicians are still trying to hide their corrupt acts. For what it's worth, the Ukrainian people largely agree with the anti-corruption organizations and local press. We, we know that because an opinion poll that was conducted just this summer in June found that 77% of Ukrainians believe that corruption is one of the country's most serious problems. That number, 77%, that's not too far behind the folks who said that Russia and that invasion was one of the most important issues facing the country. By the way, I should note regarding corruption, President Zelensky fired his defense chief over the weekend, saying that new personnel is necessary to bring about what he called new approaches to the issue of corruption. And here is what he meant by that. The old defense minister has been caught in a swirl of corruption scandals, including a sweetheart deal for some winter uniforms for Ukraine's fighters. So those are the facts and data coming to us from Ukraine this morning with some very quick analysis and opinion. As listeners probably recall, Ukraine has been one of the most corrupt countries in the world for years Right? This war didn't change that, as the poll shows this morning. In fact, what I suspect that we are going to find over the next number of years is that this war has only made that corruption worse, with black market deals and kickbacks on various pieces of war material. And I'll tell you, I think that the corruption will not only be found in Ukraine, but elsewhere too, in Europe, and probably the United States. And here's why I say that last part about the U.S., Back in June, Bloomberg News ran a pretty interesting article that is entitled Newly Rich U.S. Defense Tech Titans Seek Fresh Fortunes in Ukraine. 
And I tell you, it was one heck of an article all about how people in this country are making big cash off of that war. There was also another piece published back in March of this year by the Guardian newspaper, and it spoke of how D.C. lobbying firms are pushing hard for more weapons to be provided to Ukraine. And they're doing that for free, they said, all to help uh, the Ukrainians, of course, and President Zelensky in this noble war. But what they didn't say is that they have other clients that are making big money off of this war material, manufacturers, right, of all the weaponry. If you'd like, you can explore those articles by clicking on the links in today's transcript. But here's the point, folks. I have spent a number of years in this world of military and intelligence stuff, and I know this. Very, very few people profit from peace, but a whole bunch of people profit from war. And this morning, I would say that we have a poll of 77% of Ukrainians who are equally worried about that reality, and they know it's true too. And based on my experiences, I think those of us in this country should be really concerned about this issue of corruption, and we should continue to ask some very tough questions about where are all these billions of dollars actually going? And ultimately, as we step back and we look at this war, what is our return on this spending in Ukraine? Because we're putting a lot of money out there. We should probably ask, are we achieving our goals? And if so, what are those? And we should be asking that soon before we commit another $50 billion, which is what we do plan on spending, at least according to the Biden administration, who announced that over the past year. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing for you just before I let you go. We'll be right back. Folks, if you're looking to diversify your investments, I have something for you to consider. It's called Masterworks. And here's what they do. They purchase modern art by famous creators like Picasso, and then they qualify it with the SEC and sell shares of that art to investors like us. Now, eventually, they sell that piece of art. It's called an exit. And then investors like you and me, we get a portion of the sale. And their record, it's pretty darn impressive. Last month, they had exits with returns of 10 to 35%. Now, this concept is relatively new, but not to the 780,000 members who have joined and invested. Meanwhile, Masterworks has also been written up in Forbes and Financial Times. And I'll tell you, read those articles because I did. And I decided that for my long-term investments, Masterworks fits. Now, will that be the case for you? Well, here's how you decide. Go to masterworks.art slash write report, and you will get priority access for a personal interview with the staff, and they will help you decide if Masterworks fits for you. So again, go to masterworks.art slash write report. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. And as you sign up for that interview, you can also read through their disclosures. Good stuff there at masterworks.art slash CD. So all in all, folks, I think that you will be impressed with Masterworks and what they offer to investors. So again, go to masterworks.art slash write report, because at the end of the day, I think you will be glad you did. Folks, you know that here on The Right Report, we talk about the mix of economic signals in America that suggest that things aren't great. 
Inflation remains high. Interest rates, too. And debt levels for both the government and consumers alike, whew, at record highs. So if you add all that up, that is financial risk, ladies and gentlemen, for people like you and me. So if you have been considering ways to diversify your investments and lower those risks, you ought to consider gold and silver and consider American Hartford Gold. They can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts. All it takes to get started, folks, is a short phone call. They will show you how to protect your portfolio with physical gold and silver. American Hartford Gold has a five-star rating from thousands of reviews and an A-plus ranking from the Better Business Bureau. And if you give them a call today, folks, they will give you up to $5,000 of free silver purchase dependent. So call them at this number, 866-353-2694. Or easier yet, you can text right, that's my last name, W-R-I-G-H-T, to this number, 65532. Again, text right to 65532 or call toll free at 866-353-2694. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. It is a listener question today sent to us from one of my paid subscribers at rightreport.substack.com. Roger in Spokane, Washington wrote in. He asked, Brian, I know that you don't want to push one candidate or another for next year's presidential election. But do you think that Trump, well, if he gets nominated, he's going to be able to beat Joe Biden because that is all that matters to me? All right. Well, Roger, good question. And let's start with this. You are correct in that I'm not here to tell folks who to vote for in the Republican nomination process or otherwise. But your question is fair and it is important. So I'll tell you this. The argument to date against uh, Trump's nomination has been that just too many people dislike him maybe even hate him, and that is going to prevent him from ever winning a general election. Now, I don't know if that is ultimately true, but I do know this. Voters disapprove of Joe Biden just as much as they do Donald Trump. That is the result of a poll that actually came out yesterday by the Wall Street Journal, and it's a pretty well-done poll, at least from my read. And if we dig into the numbers, both Biden and Trump get a 58% negative view by Americans and 39% approval. Although there is one very, very important difference between the two. 27% of Trump voters view him very favorably. You compare that to just 17% of Biden voters. And that would be very important if we consider turnout, right? People on the Trump side of things are just fired up. Biden voters, not so much. And that might be partly explained by this. 73% of American voters think that Joe Biden is just too old and mentally compromised to run again, including over 60% of Democrats. Meanwhile, only 47% of voters think that Trump is too old, despite the fact that both of those fellows are more or less the same age. Plus, there's this. Biden's approval numbers are just in the toilet for pretty much every issue, especially for the economy. And that economy number, it is critical because at the end of the day, that is what most voters are concerned about. You know, their jobs, their ability to take care of their families. So I don't know how that is going to translate a year from now. But Roger, I'll tell you, as of this moment, Trump is neck and neck with Biden, including in those critical battleground states. So I think that you ought to keep that in mind if you live in one of those states. But even if you don't, boy, you should be paying attention to this race and many others. Because as we have spoken about many times here on The Right Report, local and state elections, 
My goodness, they hold tremendous power and influence over the way you live, from school boards to sheriff's offices. So, Roger, grab some friends and get involved, definitely locally, if nothing else. And that is true even if you are, well, say a Republican and you live in a blue state like Washington. Because I get it, you might feel like your vote doesn't count, but it does. I promise you, Roger, it does. Folks, if you would like me to answer one of your questions here on the podcast, it's easy to do. Either donate via my Stripe account, which you will find a link for in the show notes. Just make sure you leave your email and I'll be in touch. Otherwise, go to writereport.substack.com, sign up, and at the bottom of each day's Substack post, you can leave me a comment or ask me a question. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.